I saw your be good baker running by again the other day, says I to old Mr. Brennan. Ah, yes, says he. I've never seen her stand still. And she's running rings around the rest of us with our Brennan's be good bread. Only 60 calories a slice. 60 calories, says I. That's just a whole meal, is it? No, says he. It's the whole meal, the whole grain, and the waste. 60 calories a slice and high in fiber, whatever way it slices. That's why anything baked is better with Brennan's. Today's bread today. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Andrew Jenkinson, biatric surgeon, telling us why we eat too much and what we can do about it. When you look around the high streets, you'll see people with the condition, which I would call a disease because it is, it's called blockage of this weight regulation hormone. Walking around with six months, or you know, at the extreme, they could survive a year without eating. These extremely obese people who are 30 stone. And, and that's because their weight regulation signal, which is called leptin, is blocked. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA Podcast. I'm Will Saddery and this week we caught up with Joe Brawley to talk all things Jim McGuinness a week after he was announced as an assistant football manager in China. I started off by asking Joe just how good the Cork footballers would be this year if Jim McGuinness was in charge. I think we'll win Munster next year. Really? Uh, he's an extraordinary personality, you know. And um, now, I mean, if you think of it with Donegal, what he had really was he had Michael Murphy, a superstar, you know, who he used in a variety of different roles, but it was all very planned out. And so that Michael would switch to the full forward line, and when he did that, then Donegal would immediately convert their game plan to Michael on the edge of the square. Um, then he would move to the middle of the field, but you know, and, and some classic examples of that. You know, febrile game plan where you know, Jim was, everything was meticulous and everything was thought through. And, and uh, a classic example was the 2014 semi final against the Dubs. You know, one of the most audacious raids on a on a you know in a, in, on a Gaelic football pitch that I have seen, where Murphy went to full forward for a while, um, set up the first goal, set up a couple of scores, then he went to midfield. Um, it created a vacuum behind him and then he was flicking the ball on from kickouts that were kicked to him or free kicks that were kicked to him to set up the next two goals. You know, and everything thought out and planned. And um, he's also, you see, you know, I, I, I wrote three, three, you know, three, four years ago that I had no doubt he'd be the manager of Barcelona someday because he's just, he's an extraordinary person to meet. Have you ever met him? I haven't, no. He's the sort of person when you meet him, you come away feeling inadequate. <laughs> Dermot Minnickel told me a story one time. Dermot, you know, the great Derry footballer who went to Aussie Rules and killed it and all. And, you know, he was a sort of one of the sort of wonder kids of GAA, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. And he, uh, he told me that Jim came to give a motivational talk at St. Pat's Maharaj School. He said, you know, the teachers were all pretty cynical about it. He said, by the time McGuinness was finished, he said, they were buzzing. He said, they were buzzing for the rest of the week. Mm. Um, he's very charismatic. Um, he's a brilliant communicator. And he also does something that people find, that most people find very difficult to do. He he thinks. I mean, he thinks. Yeah. This sort of idea of Sherlock Holmes saying, look, leave me alone. I'm going into this room to think. And Jim does that. You know, there's not a lazy bone in his body. 
and um, you can you can tell because the conclusions that he reaches are always very logical and uh, often fascinating. So, I mean, it's a mark of the guy that after meeting him for two hours in the airport, you know, the, the Beijing manager, and then sort of follow-up emails, etc., and conversations over the phone, that he was confident enough to offer him you know, such a big job because that's a huge team in China, the Beijing team. Mm. Cork answer yes. If, if if he had Cork, I think that when you look at Donegal, he had Murphy, who was a superstar and is a superstar, but hasn't been used in the right way for three, four years now. You know, as I say about Michael, said once, I think that it's like hiring the prize bull from the ministry and then using him to plow the fields, and. You know what Donegal have done with him, and they've taken him away from full forward. And Do you think Gaelic football needs another kind of Jim McGuinness kind of character to come in and shake things up the way he did in 2011 or 2010? Well, it's just like a once in a lifetime thing. You know, it remains for me the most extraordinary sporting coup in modern sort of Irish sport. And, you know, people said in hindsight, well, look, he had great players, look, he had got. Um, like Carl Lacey was a great player in his prime. Michael Murphy was a superstar, um, but very young. And Jim Bilton, you know, built him and built his confidence and all of that. Colin McFadden was a has been who people were saying, look, you know, twenty eight, twenty nine, careers over, not going anywhere. Revitalized by Jim, you know, who who just sort of it was almost like brainwashing, you know. And and it was all him. I went to see them training in Ballyfey and then and then off and Heather Kenny actually. And I sat up at the back of the stand, and then afterwards I was barred. You know, I was spotted near the end of it. Some <laughs> local journalist took a photograph of, you know, guess who was sitting up at the back of the stand, you know, you know, sort of with the, with the, with the hood up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and the scarf around the mouth type of thing. But, you know, it, it was fascinating. The training lasted for over two and a half hours. And when I left, eventually they were still going. And it was only, it was a week and a half before they played Dublin in the 2011 semi-final. And the team was ferocious and intense. And he did everything. He did everything himself. Um, and um, some of the things that he did, you know, and everything as you watched it, you could see these are exactly what's going to be happening in the game. And, um, you know, for example, Colin McFadden was being marked by three players and he was handing the ball to Colin McFadden on the 21. And Colin McFadden was trying to get around three players to put the ball over the bar in the net. But he didn't manage it. Michael Murphy was then put in to do the same thing. And the two boys were absolutely exhausted after five or six minutes. But you realise that the message Jim was getting through to them was, boys, you're on your own. When you get that ball, You've got to score, you've got to win it, and you've got to score. And of course, it was so asphyxiated, he was making it so asphyxiated in the Donegal chain that when they came to play a match, they thought it was their birthday. They were only doing double marked. Boys weren't so tight on them. They they, they were they were working the angles. They knew how to you know get the ball up over the block. And you watch McFadden for Donegal over, those, over that sort of three, four-year period when he was probably the most lethal forward in the country. His ability to kick the ball over the block and kick it quickly. And that all came from what was being done in training. And the other thing about it was that absolute confidence in himself. 
you know, because that's the prerequisite. You, you, you come with something so left field as he was coming with, and so embarrassing for the players because you'll recall that at the start, everybody, I mean, the, the people hated it. Well, that semi final against Dublin, they got absolutely slated on the Sunday game or on the live yeah, show. But, yeah, but the whole year they were, and the crowd were booing. I mean, I remember the first half even of the Kildare Donegal game in the quarterfinal, they were being booed loudly from the crowd. And they were, the boos were everywhere when they played the dubs. And I remember after they played Antrim early on in the championship that year, you know, with the, this novel sort of 13 men behind the 45 formation, people were just aghast. They said, what is this abomination? And, um, you know, you'll recall um, Pat, I think it was Pat and myself who were doing it, but Pat was, you know, he, he was just expressing the, 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 the incredulity that we all had for it. He said, like, I mean, how could you give him out of the match in that? He said, we decided to give it to Ryan Bradley, but, I mean, no one should get a man of the match in a game like that. Mm. And he was right, and he was right. You know, but, so, you know, you think of how he was able to, you know, ring-fence those players away from reality in a way. And make them think about football in a totally different way, and ingrain and ingrain a new style of football in such a short space of time. And he's one of the few managers I, who's been able to successfully blend that defensive style with that kind of breakneck counter-attacking kind of attack. I, well, I mean, he was he was the one. I mean, he and like he just, as I said, you know, he's such a an astute thinker on the game. And he never abdicates responsibility to anybody else. He takes responsibility, and he's blown. You know, he's sort of, you know, if he was if he was a charlatan, you know, he would be a brilliant life guru. You know, he'd, be, he'd, he'd make millions. He'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show. He'd be, you know, because he can communicate his ideas with such certainty. Him and Andrew McNulty on a double um, act. Jim's totally different. You know, Jim has brilliant emotional intelligence and. Each person differently, and you know, and he's also very, very ruthless. Uh, I mean, I, I have no doubt. I mean, this sincerely that that he is going to be, he's going to get to the top of the tree in soccer. Well, um, coach in Barcelona is a bit of a stretch, to be fair. Even if he does do well, why do you, why do you say that? Jose Mourinho was an assistant to some guy and didn't even play at a high level. Um, Jim, wherever he goes, is going to take people's breaths away. And you look at Celtic, for example, you look at the way, the morale of the Celtic team, the way they play, and I appreciate it, Celtic, and appreciate they have a huge advantage in Rangers or coming from a very low base, etc. Um, but look at the, the vigour, the way they overwhelm teams. That was always Jim's philosophy. And, you know, Jim was Brett Rogers' go-to guy. Any problems with any players, players underperforming, anything that Jim was in, and uh, you can see the way Celtic is purring now. And I have no doubt that that's what's going to happen in Beijing. You know, I suppose if we put a fun with the language barrier, understanding the you know likes and the, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the quaintness of the Donegal accent. But, you know, I, I have no doubt that he's destined for great things because you just, you meet people like that once in a, once in a while and you realise that um, unless something goes badly wrong they're destined for great things and he most certainly is Who do you think's replaced Jim McGuinness in Gaelic football as maybe the foremost tinker on the sideline or, or the best manager tech, most tackledly astute Well I mean it's difficult to say I mean 
nobody ever quite put it together the way he did. Um, you know, he, 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 he was brilliant at sort of covering over players' weaknesses and accentuating their strengths, which is the key to management. Um, I mean, obviously, Jim Gavin's extremely impressive because of his because of the way he has fostered a, a, a sort of a workaholic democracy in the group with the Dubs, where you know they're 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 they're, they're consistently performing at a very 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 high level, and unless the leader is right, the team can't do that. But of course, Jim's got an embarrassment of riches at the moment. Uh, but. Obviously, very impressive, very charismatic, and sounds. You know, it seems to me that what he does do is genuinely facilitate the ambitions of the players, as he describes it. Did you say Jim Gavin um, is very charismatic? I think he is. You know, if you know, I wouldn't get that from his interviews. No, no, I agree. Oh, Jesus, it would make a dog eat his granny. That's like that stuff. <laughs> you know, it makes him a great scene. You know, and in fact, the wee lad from Port Leash does a brilliant impression of him. You know. Um, I don't know if you saw his most recent one, but he captured it brilliantly. But he's, is he different behind? Know. If he's is he different behind closed doors, Jim Gavin? It's just very like you know he he's he's a very. I think that that one of the big things with Jim is that he's clearly a man of honesty and integrity, and he means what he says. Like there's not one inch of Jim that's a player. You know, yeah. I mean, look, you know, I would have been, I, you know, I would have thought now that, you know, I, I was trying to figure out why it was that he said what he said about Jim and Connolly and did what he did at that press conference. And the only thing, the only conclusion that I could come to, I've heard people sort of, you know, saying that it was very Machiavellian and it was designed to sort of, you know, circle the wagons and to create a siege mentality. I totally, I, I don't see that with them and never have. I think that he genuinely was um, put out by Dermot's situation. He's a very genuine man. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like He comes up here right now and it's never announced and he never does it with any media fanfare. But he's very friendly with Anton Finnegan, you know, the Anton footballer. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. But he's got motor neurons. And Jim will appear in Belfast unannounced you know, to see him, he'd come up and he'd do the bits and pieces for him. Though, you know, uh, I mean, he, he, he once after something uh, after, I think it was maybe after the organ donation documentary that RT did of me. He rang me and he said, "Look, I'll come up and take. Um, I'll come up. I'd like to do something for you. You know, I'll kind of come up and take one of your under eight teams for a training session. You know, mm. I mean, it's bloody hell." So, you know, I think, you know, a very, very different style from Jimmy, you know, but I mean, Jim Gavin couldn't have done that because there's no way that Noel would have been able to come from the low base that they were at without something absolutely transformational, which Jim is. Mm. Um, everybody should consult Tim McGuinness at least once in their life. You're missing the beat if you haven't met him. I met him, like, I, I used to meet him, you know, um, at the end of the year, whenever Sky and RTE had the matches together, you see. Yeah, and and I'd you know say we met out in the corridor. You would talk for twenty minutes, and you'd be transfixed. You know, you'd be listening to him for twenty minutes, and you'd come away thinking, "I never thought of that." You know, I didn't. 
that hadn't occurred to me. When you would have played against him during your career, Joe, would you what, like? Did you, did you know what you what kind of what his brain was like then? Would, 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 he, would he that have been a well known thing in the intercounty scene City. that this Donegal midfielder knew his stuff? But he was very different then. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have been. He, you know, he wasn't the sort of player that we would have been concerned about in Derry. We wouldn't have thought. You know, we would have thought he's a typical Donegal sort of good time guy. And we wouldn't have been concerned about him. We wouldn't have thought this guy is the guy who can beat us. You know, he must be given special attention. You know, so whereas we would have concentrated on Tony Boyle, for example, you know, and there were two, Barry McGowan, for example, he couldn't let him attack, he'd kill you. But we would never have looked on Jim that way and would never have been particularly concerned about him. And, you know, you, you couldn't have imagined like I knew Jim then I didn't know him well but I knew him you could never have imagined what was about to happen and I suppose what happened there was life events um, changed him and he had a I mean he just I don't know he just I suppose in a way found his you know management turned on his inner light he was fascinated with the workings of it all and uh, I mean, he was just one of those players better suited to management than to, than to play football itself. Mm. Well, Joe, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. That's it for the Throwing Podcast this week. If you'd like to subscribe, you can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on independent.ie. We'll be back next Monday to recap all the weekend's action. So until then, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.